You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. We are going to be in the, in, the book of, in the book of James, and you can open in the chapter, chapter 1. And we're going to read from uh, verse 5 through 8. So the book of James, just after Hebrew, chapter 1, uh, from verse 5 through 8. You got time to find that? Yes? Ready? Read. If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask God, who give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So we need prayer. I need prayer. We need to pray right now. Will you join me in prayer? Right. So Lord, um, we so need you tonight. Lord, we, we, we don't want to go through another service just to go through another service. We want that time, Lord, to be all about you, to be all about worship from the song that we sang, from the words that will be preached, from the prayer that will be prayed, from the, um, just the, the, this relationship and the, the conversation that we will be having afterwards. May all of these things give you glory, Lord. It's so not about us. We, want, we don't want to go to the motion. We want to worship you, Lord. You're so worthy, and I so need you tonight. And uh, I'm so weak, and I need the feeling of your Holy Spirit. And these people need to hear words from you and not simply from a man. So would you please do what I can do? Would you please comfort those that need comfort tonight? And just... Bring hearts to life and revive the passion that's been fading in many lives, maybe also tonight. Would you do all of that to the glory of Jesus Christ? We pray. Amen. Amen. Um, yes, so the title of my message this, um, well, tonight is simply asking for wisdom when life is hard. Asking for wisdom when life is hard. So one of the major themes uh, in the book of James is the call to persevere in trials. The call to persevere in trials. And, and James reminds us right at the beginning of his letter that trials are mean by which God will produce steadfastness in our life. And steadfastness can make us perfect and complete according to verse 4. So, in other words, trials can be a means to produce a holy character in us. So, look here, okay? Uh, if you are a child of God, then uh, the Bible promises that God really do have a wonderful plan for your life. 
And I know that some people are getting uneasy right now, like, oh, what is this guy from Quebec going to preach to us tonight? Because, because I feel you, because most of the, the conference that I've been to some years ago were, I, I think like all of the, the team, all of the teams of all of those conferences was about God has a wonderful plan for your life. It was always that, but the problem is we never know what the plan was. It, it seems that oh, no preacher were able to, to told us. Maybe they were not sure themselves. But you know what? The fact remains. If you are a child of God, then God really do have a wonderful plan for your life. And that wonderful plan is to come from us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So Christ's likeness is the ultimate goal in our life. Uh, but, um, so in verse 2, Three and four, uh, James is calling us to consider trials in our life as a subject of joy. Really? As a subject of joy? Because God will use them in order to make us look more and more like Jesus Christ. But then, then James continues his letter by introducing the subject of wisdom. So what is going on here? Because it can get a little confusing at that point. And our question might be, uh, okay, why is James using, um, why is James writing about wisdom at this point? I mean, why follow the first four verses of his letter with the theme of wisdom? So listen, it's very important, okay? It's very important to realize that James is not switching subject here. Not at all. James knows all too well that verse 2, 3, and 4, they just can't be a reality in your life unless you have divine wisdom. And honestly, I long so much to look at trials in my life. I mean, illness, betrayal, financial problem, or I don't know, maybe just that that flat tire, you know, and, and, and truly be able to say, wow, that's a good day. That's a good day today because God just sent me another reason to rejoice. Christ-likeness is coming. For sure, Christ-likeness is coming. So what can destroy your joy when you truly think like that? When it's truly your mindset, what can destroy your joy? And honestly... To be honest, sometimes we, we read those things in the Bible, and it just seems so, like, out there. It just seems so uh, out of reach, like, for the spiritual light. And, 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 but the thing is this. Uh, James tells us that this unshakable joy is possible. It's possible for those who receive wisdom from God. So track with me. Track with me, because if wisdom is the way to joy, if wisdom is the way to godliness in trials, then, then, I'm, then I'm craving. I'm craving for this wisdom so much, and I'm sure you do too. I'm sure you do too. So our first error is simply this, desire wisdom. Desire wisdom. So let's look at verse 5 together. If any of of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So James finished the, f uh, the first four, uh, the first, uh, uh, 
finished verse 4 by saying that the goal of trials is that our character will lack nothing. But then, then he begins verse 5 by addressing the possibility of lacking wisdom. Why? Well, because, because if we lack wisdom, we will be lacking in everything else. And so, if James considered that wisdom is so important, then we better know what, it, what wisdom is, right? We better know what wisdom is. And I, I, I love what Nancy Demas says about wisdom. She says that wisdom is really learning to see all of life from God's point of view. It's learning to see all of life from God's point of view. So we need to ask him for wisdom. Why? Well, because we don't see what he sees. And we don't know what he knows. But wisdom is to have God perspective and understanding, which then lead us to a godly response in every situation we're facing. And that's why wisdom is so desirable. That's why it's so desirable, because the truth is we all lack wisdom, all of us. We all lack wisdom and understanding, and we don't have specific answers to all of our problems. I mean, what's, what's the right way to discipline my kids when nothing seems to work? I know you're wondering that, many of you. Well, we need wisdom. And, and, and how to respond in love when, when your faith is being ridiculed by someone that is close to you, someone that, that you love. Well, you need wisdom. And how can we plant a church in Quebec? Honestly, we have no clue. Yes, we've been trained, but we need wisdom. And um, obviously, God did something amazing here at Harvest Hopeville. That, that's unbelievable. What he did in, in, in a little more than 10 years. But, but you know what? What is he expecting from this church in the future? What is he expecting from this church in the future? You need wisdom for that too. So listen to the words of Sam Albury. Uh, he says this. One of the features of trials is that this so often become all-consuming. It can be hard to think about anything else. We can become utterly absorbed by what we are going through. And it can seem impossible to look beyond the immediacy of the pain in order to see anything else. And honestly, I can recognize myself in those words. I can recognize myself in these words. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure I know some people today, the, you, you, you must be going through tough times. Some of you are probably uh, right now like just grieving the loss of someone that is so close to you. And it's just, it's just painful. And some are feeling the immense pain of betrayal, maybe from, from a close friend. Or even worse, maybe from, from, from your own husband or wife, and, and some are just in deep, uh, deep distress because, because your child that you love so much has walked away from the Lord. And, and this pain can be so absorbing. 
It can be so absorbing that you can hardly think about anything else or even imagine how you were going through another day. This is what happens. So, so I'm deeply aware that we are not talking about some just theoretical stuff tonight. No, we are not. Because either you are going through trials right now or you, are, uh, or you will be going through trial at some point in the future. So we need wisdom. We all need wisdom, a divine worldview, in order to prepare and protect our hearts against the wave of difficulty. And I read a story uh, some years ago, and it just always it's, uh, stayed impressed in my mind. So I, I want to read it to you right now. Uh, in 1952, young Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean of Catalina Island, determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She'd already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boat accompanying her. But still, she swam for 15 hours. And when she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother in the boat alongside told her she was close and that she could make it and finally physically and emotionally exhausted she stopped swimming and was put it out and it wasn't until uh, until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than half a mile away now and now listen okay at the news conference the next day she said all i could see was the fog I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Did you get that last part? All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. So look here, seeing the end goal clearly is what can give us the strength to persevere in trial. And what's the end goal again? What's the end goal? Christ-likeness. To become like Jesus Christ. Yes, and that's the whole point of asking for wisdom during trial. Because honestly, it's impossible. It's just impossible to, uh, for us to count it all joy when you're facing uh, trials. Unless, unless we, we get divine insight and wisdom, realizing that God has a plan behind all that. And that these things, they do not happen randomly in our life. They do not happen randomly in your life. So now get this, okay? Wisdom. Wisdom is asking God to clear the fog so we can see the shore clearly and continue to swim. Continue to swim, not necessarily asking God to stop the wave. It's about asking Him to clear the fog so we can see the end goal clearly because I so forget that end goal and have the strength to persevere and to continue to swim. So wisdom is about getting that big picture in our circumstance, which, which then lead us to the right response in our trial, which will be joy and perseverance. And, and, and now that we know what is wisdom and why we need it, well, let's move to our second point, which is acquire wisdom. Acquire wisdom. 
So let's read uh, verse 5 and 6 again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So James could not be clearer. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's really simple. The way to acquire wisdom is simply to ask God in faith. Ask God in faith. So simple, and yet it's so packed with truth that we need to ponder tonight. That we need to ponder tonight. The first thing I want to mention is that God, uh, is that uh, James is pointing us toward the only source of wisdom. God. God. So if you want real wisdom, do not turn to the world. Turn to God. And when you are going through hard times, where do you go? Where do you go to acquire wisdom? Human psychology? Or, or, or self-help book that actually will leave you helpless? You realize that? <laughs> or, or maybe you're, you're going to Oprah or Dr. Phil? Uh, maybe not a good place to go. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. And the, and the knowledge of the Holy One is in sight. This is where it's found. So listen, there is no real wisdom and no true insight to be gained apart from God. So God is the one we should ask for wisdom. But, but, but then James, James also tells us that we should ask him how in faith. We should ask him in faith. So you, but, but now we need to understand this, okay? James is not asking us to play mind games here, okay? He's not asking us to play mind games. It's not, it's not like the Star Wars version of faith, where faith is seen as a force that you can use to get what you want, okay? It's not about convincing yourself of something. It's not about repeating three times, I believe, I believe, I believe, and try to convince yourself by your own power till you see something. No, this is not what real faith is. So pay attention. Faith. Faith is about truly knowing who God is, and giving Him our entire trust. And I need to repeat, to repeat that, okay? Faith is about truly knowing who God is and giving Him our entire trust. And we are going to spend some time on this subject in particular because a lot of people have a wrong view of God and therefore they can, they can never ask in faith. And the key, the key to ask God is knowing God. And, and that's why James Garner's plea in the fact that we need a right view of who God is and what are his disposition towards us. So James writes that God give generously, he gives generously to all without reproach. That's his character, that's his nature. But question, is it your view of God? Not just from your lips, but when you pray from your heart. Is it your view of God? Do you view him as a hard, grumpy, and reticent father? 
Or do you truly realize that God is generous and that is more than willing to answer your prayer? Because James tells us that there are terrible consequences and having a wrong view of God. Look with me what he says in verse 6 to 8. He says that the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Ouch. Um, William McDonald comments. He says, if, if we doubt his goodness and power, we will have no stability in times of troubles. And we will be like the wave of the sea tossed by the wind. So listen, the danger of trials is that they can lead us to reinterpret God's character and God's nature according to our present circumstance. The danger of trials is that they can lead us to reinterpret who God is in light of our present circumstance. And to be honest, that's a major temptation in my own life. And you know what? For example, when everything goes well, it's so easy to say God is good. God is good. Look at what is done. I mean, look at the blessings in my life or in your life. Well, God is good. That's true. That's true. And we, 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 we should say that because He is truly good. But realize that. It can leave the impression that God is good when or because my circumstances are good. And that's not true. That's not true. The truth is God is good. Even when everything seems to be falling apart and we just don't understand why. We don't have the answers but God is still good. And unless you are truly convinced of this truth, you won't be able to ask God in faith. You just won't be able to so look here. Because I'm sure that many of you need to hear this tonight. Your circumstances, they are lying. Your circumstances are lying. They are not the place to look at in order to understand God. And I know that a lot of people let their circumstances dictate their view of who God is. And so they have no stability in their Christian walk. They are like the waves of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And if I don't, if I don't protect my heart, that's where I can go also. And sadly, a lot of that can be attributed to some bad teaching that some people have received. Where, where they've been taught that, hey, if you apply certain spiritual law. Or if you, if you just get that spiritual secret, that's a new secret. No one has ever uh, saw that before, not even the Apostle Paul. But now I've got a book on that secret. You know, if you have the name secret on the title of your book, it will sell well. It will sell well for sure. And, and, and then you will only experience health, wealth, and prosperity, you know, red carpet Christianity. I, I want, you know what? I want you to be on your guard. I want you to be on your guard because this teaching is extremely dangerous and it's a lie. It's a lie. And it's not just wrong teaching. That's dangerous teaching. It hurts a lot of people. And I've seen personally people have their faith in God wrecked. 
Because they felt that God was failing them in their trials. So that's dangerous. You know what? Read the Bible. We have many promises of hardship, difficulties, and even persecution in the Bible. It's there. It's there. But do you realize that the Bible contains no promises of an easy life for the Christian? It's not there. Just read the book. Just read the book. It's not there. So listen, the Bible never says that God proved his love towards us by sending us good circumstances. And yet, this is where we are always looking at. And some people are just confused because some people are like, okay, so if I can't look I'm at my circumstances to know that God loves me, if it's not true, uh, good things happening in my life, that, ca- that I can truly know the character of God, then where am I supposed to look? How can I know that God really loves me it's not, if it's not in my circumstance? Well, the Bible responds to that question. The Bible responds to that question. And the Bible says that God, what? Show is love. Okay, he proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. You know what? The Son of God, the beloved Son of God, God put all his affection on his Son, but we do say that he had good circumstances? Well, not really. So if circumstances or a gauge, or the way to, to, to see and to know that God loves us, then God must not have loved His Son very much. So this is certainly not where we should look at. We, we, and for many of us, it, it, it just requires a complete reframing of the way we think. Because the cross, listen, the cross is where our faith in the goodness of God must be grounded and nowhere else, by sending His Son, Jesus, to die for us, God gave us the ultimate proof of His love for us. Just realize. I mean, we, we know so much thing with our heads sometimes, but just realize with your heart tonight, He gave us His own Son he gave us his own son, the, the most precious being in the whole universe. What other proof do you need? What other proof do you need? Our circumstances are always changing. They are always changing. But because of the gospel, the disposition of God towards his children are good and always good. Always good. Whatever our circumstances. In other words, God is for you. If you're his child, God is for you. Romans 8, 31. Even in the worst of circumstances, even in the tempest, even when the wave are crashing, it doesn't make sense. God is still for you. So stop changing your view of God in light of your circumstances, but change your view of your circumstances in light of who God is. So listen. And I, want, I just want to be very honest with you, okay? Um, but without Jesus, without, without Jesus, it will have been very hard for me to put my faith in God. Honestly. Uh, because my way of thinking was like, 
um, in a world of pain, because we live, in the re- we, we live in the real world. I mean, just, just watch the news for one night only, okay? You will realize that we live in a world of pain. We live in a world of suffering. And so, 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 so how could you trust a distant God who never tasted it himself? How can you trust a God like that? And honestly, that was a major problem in my life. It was a major problem in, in, in my heart. But, but then I realized that God became a man. He became a man. And, and that he went through all of the same things that we are going through. Do you realize that? I mean, Jesus tasted the joy of being in a family. Right? But he also, ex- uh, but he also experienced the pain of losing a loved one. And Jesus knew what it was to share a good meal. But he also uh, experienced hunger and thirst. He, he experienced a deep friendship, but also deep betrayal. He was loved by some, but hated by many. He, he experienced physical suffering. He experienced rejection. He experienced deep sorrow. And he even experienced death by being nailed to a cross. For sinners like me, for sinners like you. So would you come to Jesus? Why would you come to Jesus? Why would you come to a God like that? The God of the Bible is not a God who stayed at a distance. He is a God who, who decided to live among us by becoming one of us. So I can never raise my fist to the air. It's a God, what are you doing? You just... You're, you're just out there. You just don't know what's going on down, uh, down here. And, and you're just in your castle somewhere. You just don't know what I'm going through. And I can't do that. Because he knows. Because he tasted it himself. For me, honestly, it changed everything. It changed everything. And no, uh, it doesn't mean that I've all the answers to all my questions and to all my whys? I don't. I don't. But, but it means that I know that he understands. And that he can relate to us because he embraced every part of our reality. He didn't stay somewhere in the castle. He didn't even, uh, when, when he became a man, he didn't come as a king ruling and being served. No, he, come, he came as a servant giving his life. Well, That's a God I can trust. If God is like that, if God is like Jesus, well, that's a God I can trust because Jesus is perfect theology. You want to know who who God is? What are his dispositions? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. His perfect theology. So the gospel, God becoming a man and dying on the cross for us, it helps us ask the right question during our trials. And the question is not, hey, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why me, Lord? But the question is, Lord, um, I know that you love me. That, that's, for, that's for sure. I know that you love me, but it, I, I don't understand why these things are happening right now. Uh, but how can I glorify you? How can I glorify you by the way that I handle my present circumstances? So when you ask God for wisdom, be sure that he will always point you to the gospel. He will always point you to the cross because the gospel 
is the wisdom of God. And, and, and I sometimes, um, I talk to, sometimes to other people who went through a very difficult time, and, and that just made me think, like, don't, don't waste your trials, okay? Don't waste your trials. In your trials, you will either grumble or you will grow. You will either they will either make you sour or they will make you sweet. And I sometimes talk to other people, like I said, who went through very difficult circumstances at some point in their life. And, and when you talk with them, you can sometimes see that their circumstances were very similar. But yet, yet the fruit produced in their life by this trial can be so different. Can be so different. Some are just so full of peace and hope. And others are just grumpy and resentful. And what made the difference here? Well, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. So here is what I mean. Without wisdom, without wisdom, you will think that your struggles are meaningless. And you will probably become grumpy and resentful. But the wisdom of God will help you ground your faith in the solid truth of Romans 8.28 that says that everything, okay? Everything. So it means every single little detail that so seems insignificant right now, everything in the life of a believer serves a good purpose. Everything. So listen, God is never wasteful in your trials. Your trials, they are not meaningless. They are not. They are not. That's the wisdom that will turn trials into opportunity for growth and Christ-likeness. And even joy. Even joy. So now, um, to truly believe that God is good and that he, uh, he is in control, and that He has a purpose, a purpose behind it all, that's what it means to ask God in faith. That's what it means to ask God in faith. But now I want you to look at verse 8. Because the one who doubt here is it, called a strange name. It's called a double-minded. Double a double-minded man. And in one word, to be double-minded is to be divided. That's what it means. To be divided. It means it mean that you try to go in two directions at the same time. It's about asking God for wisdom, yes. But also kind of doubting his character. You're doubting who he is, and, and, you, and, you, and you're looking over his shoulder just to see, oh, well, just in case wisdom could come from some, somewhere else. So you've got one foot in the kingdom, but the other foot in the world. And the double-minded says, of course I want God. Yeah, if it can help, why not? Of course I want God, but I also want my own way. Well, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And according to James, the double-minded man is the exact opposite of the man who is pure in heart. So what's the cure if you're double-minded tonight? Well, look at what James wrote in chapter 4, verse 8. Um, James chapter 4, verse 8. You're supposed to have also the slides happening. It begins by saying, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. That's like the part that we all uh, uh, like. 
we, we just, we just uh, uh, remember that by heart. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That's amazing. I want God to draw near to me for sure. So I will draw near to him. But just keep on reading. And then it says, cleanse your hand, you sinner. And, and now pay attention. Look. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So James says that the cure for the person who is double-minded is what? To have a pure heart. To have a pure heart because to be pure in heart means you are not divided. It means that you have set your mind on one thing and one thing only. You want to glorify God. This is what your heart is longing after, whatever it may cost you. So the cry of the pure in heart is this, God, I want to please you. I want to please you. But is it your heart tonight? Is it your heart tonight? And, and that's very interesting. That's very interesting because according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and that's, that's, the, that's the words of Jesus. He says that the pure in heart, so the single-minded, okay, the pure in heart will see God. That's amazing. And it's not just about, okay, so if you're pure in heart, then one day you will go to heaven and then you will see God. That's part of the promises for sure, and that's amazing. But it's also talking about the fact that God will manifest himself to that person. And what will happen to that person who longs after God and after his glory? Well, he will gain insight and wisdom. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is in sight. But the double-minded of James 1.8 won't receive anything from God. He won't. He won't, and he will stay blind to God, and he will be left in his confusion. So the point is simple. The point is so simple. God, God wants our whole heart and not just part of it. God wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him and, and in His goodness, even when our circumstances are screaming something else. But how do you get there? How do you get to that place of, uh, of confidence and trust? Well, it comes from the fear of the Lord. It comes from the knowledge of the Holy One. So do you know Him? I'm asking you tonight, do you know him? Not just about him, but the, you, do you know him personally? Listen, if you're, if you're a believer, ask him for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. And even if you don't feel necessarily wiser, like right away after asking, okay? Even if you don't feel wiser, trust him. He will guide you. That's his promises. That's his promises for your health. For your wavering kids, for your job, in your ministry, for your marriage. And God won't fail you, guys. He won't fail you. Those who put their trust in the Lord won't be put to shame. So, so God told us his plan for our life in the Bible. That we will become more and more like Christ. And yes, trials are a big part of that process. They are a big part of that process. We will not choose that process, but this is the process that God chose for us. And, and wisdom is about keeping that big picture in front of our eyes and asking God to help us respond well in our trials 
So my question is, what are you going to do with this message? What are you going to do with this message? Because some are going through trials like right now, and your tears are real, okay? I just, your tears are real. Your sorrows are real. But yet, through all of this, you know that the Lord is good. Through all of this, you know that, that He is for you and that there is a purpose beyond what seems to be only chaos right now. You know that your circumstances are lying, and so you're just, you're just trusting in His goodness and in the fact that He is for you. So if it's your heart tonight, well, may your heart be comforted. May your heart be comforted. You are a beloved child of God, even into the deepest of pain. And he has not said his last word in your situation. But there are some here tonight. And if you are honest, okay, you're here. You, you, you've been going through the motion maybe for a while, okay? You're still going to church and you're here. But, but honestly, your hearts are bitter. Your hearts are bitter, but let me tell you once again, your circumstances are lying. I, I don't have all the answers to why you're going through such pain right now. Honestly, I don't know. I just don't know. But let me tell you what I know for sure. I know that the truth is God cares. He cares. He is not indifferent. He went through it himself. He went through it himself. So, so tonight... It is it is great time, okay, to, to let go of your anger. It's great time you let go of your anger. Just just confess, maybe just be real, okay? Confess your confusion to the Lord and, and repent. Repent of your bitterness and, and even through your pain, ask God for wisdom tonight. Why? Because he is good and he is powerful and he cares and he loves you. He truly loves you. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we need your wisdom so much, Lord. And I'm praying, right now I'm praying for your children that are going through a season's of trials, a valley of pain right now. Lord, bring comfort to their heart. And I pray, Lord, for a church that will continue to be solidly grounded in the gospel because our circumstances are lying, but you are not. So the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ is where we are looking tonight. Bring healing to those of who are bitter by your Holy Spirit, do what I can't. Give us pure hearts, heart that seeks your glory, even when life is hard. Increase our hunger for holiness, Lord. Increase our faith in your goodness. Increase our, increase our joy in Jesus Christ so that our seasons of trials or valleys of, of pain or tears, Lord, will become seasons where we become more and more like the one we love, Jesus Christ. And it's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.